If you're glad to be here, say amen. 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 You can say amen online too if you'd like. That'll be all right. With, uh, David said this. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because when we go to the house of the Lord, it's another opportunity for us to worship and praise the Lord and get together with other people who will do the same thing. And I believe there is power in proximity. There is power in agreement. And when we come together, there's just something remarkable that happens. And if you don't think that's so, you just look in the uh, first, uh, in Acts chapter 1. When the 120 gathered in the upper room, they obeyed what the Lord told them to do. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but then suddenly something happened. And I think that there has to be moments where we know that something's going to happen and suddenly something is going to happen. I was visiting with a lady today. Her, her husband passed away recently and, uh, and she uh, also, his sister passed away. Just uh, not not too long, uh, just I think within the last week, maybe this week even, and uh, and she's been going through this. Uh, her husband was really kind of ill, and had had to have care, and and so it's been a long battle that they they'd had. But she told me this morning. She said, she said, you know, I just woke up the other morning and I just had such a peace, and I just had such uh, an assurance, and she said, I just rejoice knowing that I have the peace that the Lord brings. Amen. And I was bringing to her the what I preached, I believe it was last Wednesday night, about the yoke and the animals and how Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because my burden is light and my yoke is easy, and how that he bears the bigger part. And I think sometimes we forget that the Lord bears the bigger part. And he has the ability to do that. And we try to take more on us than we're able to handle. We are designed to handle all the cares of life. We're just not designed to do it. We're designed to leave it at his feet. We can do what we can and then let him do the rest. And so many times it's difficult and hard for us to let him do the rest, especially if we're one of those kind of people that just like to be in control. I know that there's some people here, there's probably some people watching that you like to be in control, but have I got news for you? There are some things that you just cannot control. There are some things that are just out of your reach. I never will forget that uh, Annette and I, we were going through a difficult time one time uh, many years ago. And we hadn't told anybody. Nobody knew what, what was going on uh, in, our, in, in our situation. I think it was probably related to finances or some such thing. But there was a man in the church that came over to me. And he said in my ear, he said, he said, I don't know what's going on, but the Lord wants you to lay it down and don't pick it back up. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Because as long as I was trying to figure it out and make things work, it just it never happened. And after I was able to do that, that's when the Lord just showed up and he said, now let me show you what I can do. As long as we keep tinkering and trying, then uh, it, it's, it's not going to be the best. But when we say, Lord... I'm just giving it to you. Now, he may give us ideas and he may give us wisdom to be able to do and make certain decisions and lead us in a certain direction and the action will be ours led by him. But when we give it over to him, 
And he really comes through. Amen. All that was free had nothing to do with what I planned to say tonight. So just, um, just take that for what it's worth. Let's ask the Lord to do what he wants to do in this house today. Father, we just thank you. For it is a great time and a great season to serve you. In spite of all the difficulties and things in life that have happened and all the things that we've had to go through, we know that you are the rock that we depend on and we have come into this house to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray, God, that you would just open up the windows of heaven, let your glorious presence come down and meet with us here today. We love you and we praise you for it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. I've got a really basic message tonight. And uh, I have preached from this chapter before. And us preachers, we keep hold of our notes. And Annette says, amen, because there's boxes of them, folks. I mean, and uh, I probably have printed every edition of something that I preached before, and I go back and I'll add to it and I'll print it out again. I need to go back through and probably purge some of those. But I found where I preached from this chapter, I think 11 years ago, it was the only time I ever preached from it. And uh, I, and I didn't really... I didn't, you know, I didn't really look for something to preach. The Lord just put something in my spirit. And uh, it was during my normal devotional time. There was something that just jumped out of me the other morning. And uh, it's out of Ezekiel chapter 18. And uh, I heard something and I began to study that chapter and study the different places where it went. And... Uh, and after I got done studying, I, I looked up and I found I preached this before. I knew it had been a long time because I usually make a, a mark in this Bible. And I've had this Bible since 2013. And it was before then. So um, I began to look at that. And I read through the notes and, and the things that I had preached. And as I, you know, it's funny how the Lord does things with me anyway. He may be different with somebody else. But then as I began to study and look at different places in Scripture. And I thought, there are different pieces and components to this. And it's like... I'm not really even going to touch on most of the meat of chapter 18. So I want to encourage you to read it because it's very powerful. But what I want to talk about tonight is repent and live. Repent and live. I know that really sounds basic. It's from Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 32. But before I go to that scripture, I want to just talk a little bit about the content the word repent by definition it means to feel to feel pain sorrow and I think I've got this on the screen maybe uh, repent defined there it is repent to feel pain sorrow or regret for something done or spoken to express sorrow for something past well, the concept of feeling sorry for something, uh, something that we've done wrong or we've said is quite understandable. The feeling is meaningless without the follow-through in action. The feeling of, of, of feeling sorry 
is really meaningless without the follow-through. The following through comes through when repent becomes repentance. Now look at this word, repentance, repentance, which the meaning for repentance, there's a lot of words on there, and I know if you're not sitting close, you may not be able to read it all. But it says this, real penitence, sorrow, or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor, here it is, to God, a violation of His holy law, and the basis ingratitude towards a being of infinite benevolence. This is called evangelical repentance and is accompanied by, accompanied and followed by, and I highlighted this part, by amendment of life. By amendment of life. That means we're going to add something else to what we've done wrong, and we're going to make it right. So repentance is a change of mind or conversion from sin to God. It's a change of mind or a conversion from sin to God. How many, how many of you have ever heard this statement applied to someone who did not truly seem sincere you're not sorry you're just sorry you got caught anybody ever heard that sure oh yeah our you know tabloids are full of stuff like that well he just he just saying he's sorry because he got caught I'm not going to the specifics of any situation that, may, that, that this may encompass, but there are some who would not even have uttered the words, I'm sorry, unless it was brought to their attention. If, however, once brought to their attention, they are truly sincere and offer a heartfelt apology, then it will show up in a follow-through in their actions and in their speech, and it becomes repentance. In the spiritual context, none of us can avoid getting caught because Romans 4, 14, 11, and 12 says this, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Romans 3.23, you're probably familiar with it. For all, everybody say all. all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then I want to go to our thought in Ezekiel 18 verse 32. Ezekiel 18.32. The one verse I'm going to use from this whole chapter. This is God talking. He says, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, and here declares the Sovereign Lord. Who is it that's talking? The Sovereign Lord. And then he says this, Repent and live. Repent and live. And there were several examples that he had given in this chapter about people who were thinking they were suffering because of the sins of their, their fathers. And, and he was pretty much telling me, he's like, no, you're suffering because of your own sin. It's not because of the sin of your fathers or somebody else. And, and you can just stop this right here and now. It's because of your sin. That's why. And he says, repent 
and live. If you want to live and not die, I'm not talking about just physically, but eternally, because the choice is eternal life or eternal death. This is not a popular message that churches will likely preach and people will just be swinging from the rafters and hooping and hollering and saying, boy, this is great, but it's the truth. Eternal life or eternal death. There's one of two choices. The only way that you can gain eternal life and escape eternal death, there's two ways. Number one, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. And then number two, living for Him. Amen. Living for Him. It's not enough just to say, well, I'm sorry for my sins and then I've accepted Christ. But then you have to live for Him. You have to live for Him. Somebody talked about eternal security one time and I heard it best put. He's like, well, I, I believe in eternal security that once you're saved, you're always saved if you stay saved. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Keep me near the cross. This is what God is saying in this Scripture. Repent, sincerely turning away from everything that is evil, sinful, or ungodly. And then you can live. Hebrews 2, 1-3 through 3 says this, We must pay the most careful attention. The most careful attention. That means... Look and listen real close. Therefore, to what we have heard, and I want to stop at this verse right here, so that we do not drift away. So that we do not drift away. The Greek word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read a little bit more. For, for since this message spoken through angels was binding... And every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. Verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we ignore, the King James says, neglect, neglect so great salvation, a salvation. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. The Greek word for drift away in verse number 1 is parario, which has a nautical inference like when a ship drifts past the harbor. They're heading for the harbor and they're supposed to dock and they're supposed to tie up and moor to the harbor, but yet they don't make it to the harbor. They just stop heading toward the harbor and they begin drifting away. Believers who were once firmly anchored in Jesus can allow themselves to drift away from their relationship with Him because of neglect in their relationship and they are in danger of being swept in the current that the devil is all too glad to provide. There's a current out there. I remember when we were youth pastors, I saw a kid that had a shirt on. And uh, that, I mean, that was, it was like t-shirts in ministry. That was the big thing back then. And uh, one of the words said, any dead fish can float downstream. Meaning that 
Anybody can go with the current. Anybody can just float where life takes you. But it takes a man or a woman of God who is dedicated to saying, I will not go with the current because going with the current is an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to do. Well, let's do what everybody else is doing. Well, how about let's not? How about let's, let's think about it. It's like... It's like uh, one, one, guy, one guy said, hey, if these guys got you to do something really kind of stupid, would you, if they told you to go jump off of the, 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 you know, the dam, would you do it again? And he's, would you do it? And he's like, not again, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, some things can unfold right in front of you and you think, well, that seems to make sense. But does it really? Does it really make sense? The devil's good at explaining stuff. Just look at how he did a number on Eve. And look at how he did a number on Adam. See, a lot of times, I think Eve gets a really bad rap. Because they say, well, it's Eve's fault. But if you read this scripture, Adam was standing right next to her. He was right there. He just didn't say anything. And you have almost that same... He, he had the ability and the authority to step in and say, this isn't right. But the scripture says that Adam was with her. And you have the same thing when Moses and Aaron messed up. A lot of people remember Moses because he was the vocal one. When he got mad. And Moses didn't get in trouble for hitting the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. That wasn't what he got in trouble for. Yes, he disobeyed God. But what he really got in trouble for was when he got mad and then he sinned. And he said, he told the people, he's like, how long must we do this for you? He took the glory away from God. And he said, how long must we do this for you? Not how, how long must God do this? How long must we do this for you? And it cost Aaron the priesthood. His was a sin of omission because he was standing right there. He had the authority to say, hey, wait a minute. But he did nothing. Didn't say a word. We have to pay careful attention so that we do not drift away. So we know that repentance is a turning away from sin toward God through our faith in Jesus Christ. But we also must live for and in Him. We have to live for and in Him. The word live means this. It means to abide, to dwell, to continue to be permanent, and not to perish. I don't know if I put the definition for live up there or not. To abide, to dwell, to continue, to be permanent, not to perish. Acts 17 and 24 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven, and earth does not live, is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And Colossians 1:15 through 17 says the sun 
Who's the son? Jesus. I got it there in parentheses. Jesus. Jesus is the son. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, there it is again in parentheses, Jesus. Talking about Jesus. All things were created. There, everybody say all things. Oh. All things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether, uh, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. So we're talking about who He is. Acts 17, 25-28 continues on. It says... And he is not served by human hands, talking about Jesus. If he needed anything, rather, he gives himself, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations that he should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And here's the verse that I want you to get. For in Him, who is it? Jesus. In Him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being. In Him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. In Him we live, we move, and we have our being. So, live Repent and live. We've talked about repentance and we talk about living. To abide, to dwell in Jesus Christ. So it's not enough just to, just to identify with Christ. Identity is a big word today. I, I'm going to, my, my whole identity is going to be tied up in this particular aspect. I was mowing the yard last summer and the Lord just kind of dropped this in my spirit and I thought, you know, I think that will turn into a message at some point. I haven't developed that yet but I just remember and I got out my phone and I just recorded it a little bit in my phone you can hear the lawnmower in the background um, but it's like everybody's talking about their identity that my identity is specific to this particular characteristic or this particular behavior or this particular group of people or this particular aspect of life and while I understand that it's common and it is probably comfortable for many people to hang out with people who have similar interests in common things, the identity that we have as a person should not ever be tied to anything else other than our identity in Jesus Christ because in him we live we move and we have our being because if he is the most important thing we repent of our sins he saves us from our sin not in our sin so we're not just sorry that we got caught or sorry truly sincerely for the for the thing that we're that we we're involved in or whatever sin it is 
Because we know everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not just sorry for that, but we turn away from it. And our desire is not to do that anymore. Our desire is to live in Christ, not live in sin. You can live in sin and you can live in Christ, or you can live in Christ, but you can't do both. You can live in Christ, or you can live in sin, or you can live in sin, but you can't do both. Amen. The only way we can truly live in Christ is to repent. Repentance begins our journey when we accept Jesus as Lord. Some people have the mistaken idea that once you repent of your sins, when you first come to Christ, there's not ever a need to repent again. That's false. I've heard that teaching. I've read, a, I've read at least one book that used that as its foundation. And it said, you know, the grace of God is so broad and so vast that... You're forgiven from all the sins you've ever committed, all the sins you're committing now, and all the sins that you will commit. Oh, well, the grace of God is well able to take care of any sin in our lives. We should not ever presuppose that God's grace will cover us and we intentionally go out and sin. Oh, I'm not going to wear a seatbelt today and I'm going to go 100 miles an hour and it'll probably be okay. Well, it might be okay for a time or two. But it doesn't work out very well. Repentance, as I said, begins our journey when we accept Jesus as Lord. We're not just sorry for our sins, but we vow to leave our life of sin and then we don't sin anymore. How many believes it's God's will, God's will for us not to sin? It's God's will for us not to sin. This is what Jesus said repeatedly when he told people who he had forgiven their sins. He says, now go and don't do it anymore. Don't sin anymore. He told someone one time, he said, don't sin anymore. Something worse is going to come upon you or going to happen to you. Don't sin anymore. Oh, well, preacher, what are you talking about? You can't live in this world and not sin. You absolutely can. You can live in this world and not sin. Now, do most people live that way? No, they don't. But it's possible. Well, I thought we had to sin a little bit every day. No, you don't. You don't have to sin a little bit every day. Having the attitude that we, we have to sin a little bit every day uh, can get us to the place where we have the, the outlook on life. Well, I'm just going to excuse that sin because it's just... It's just a part of who I am and I'm just going to do my best in all the other areas. But if real truth comes to be known in your life and the shining light from the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of you, He'll zero in on that one thing that you think is okay. Then you know I'm right. We can only excuse it so long, but the Lord will never excuse it. But He'll forgive it if you bring it to Him. Jesus wouldn't tell people in the Bible to go and don't sin anymore if they were incapable of doing it. 
That was the truth. He is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. When he says, take up your mat and walk, that means the guy has the ability now to walk. He didn't have it before, but he had it because Jesus healed him. And get this. Jesus didn't say, go and don't sin anymore before he said your sins are forgiven because they wouldn't have the ability not to sin unless their sins had been forgiven. You don't have the ability not to sin. You only have it when your sins are forgiven and then he can help you live the forgiven life. I think... What many people fail to realize is that when true repentance come, real life follows. Real living follows. In Christ, He is greater than any force, any temptation, any sin, any power, any demon, any devil of hell. He is greater than that. 1 John 4, 1-4 through 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And if that was true then, it's still true today. The spirit of Antichrist is still here. And I want you to see what verse 4 says. I've got this whole verse highlighted. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. You do not have the ability to do it, but the one that is in you has the ability to do it because he is greater. Greater. He is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Our God is greater. He's greater. He's greater than the most powerful sin that has ever gripped in your life. He's greater than every problem that you've ever had. You have overcome all of these spirits of Antichrist that are against Christ. Everything that is working in this world, trying to put Jesus down, trying to put the ways of God down, trying to put down everything that is godly and right and standing up for everything that is wrong and filthy and ungodly. But the Lord says, you have overcome all all of that stuff because greater is Jesus that is in you than he that's in the world. The devil has no power when he's standing next to Jesus Christ because he can't. Right. Amen. He never will. Maybe I'll start preaching in a minute. I don't know. The only way that we can continue to live in Christ is to walk in a spirit of repentance. Walk in a spirit of repentance. What does that mean? How many of you have ever driven a car? Most everybody in here. I bet there are some of you who have even dozed while driving. And it can be a scary thing. 
Now, I've, I used to be uh, a while back, I think I'm, I'm much better now, but I used to be really, it was hard for me to drive at night and Annette wouldn't sleep while I was driving at night because she was afraid to. She's afraid I might get tired. And, and every once in a while I would kind of fool her and I would close my right eye so she would think, you know, she's sitting over here and she would think that I was kind of dozing, but I wasn't dozing off. But the few times when I've lost and not really, one time I, when I was a teenager, Boy, I wish Ryan was in here so we could hear you can tell him later. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was driving, and I dozed off, and I woke up, and I had already crossed into the oncoming lane, which there wasn't any traffic around, thank the Lord. And I think, God, you've been so good to me. But it's a scary thing. What happens is basically the same thing when you let go of the wheel gradually. You can be out driving on a, on a road that's straight and you can have a car that's got good alignment and you can just kind of take your hands off the wheel. I remember my mom and dad doing that when I was a kid. I'd watch them. My dad needed to do something and my mom would reach over and steer the steering wheel for him. Mm -hmm. Y'all are my age or older. You've seen it. Mm -hmm. Dad was doing something else over here and mom was watching the road while he was working the gas and doing something else and she was steering while he was pushing the gas. I got to tell you, um, that, that's kind of a scary thought to think of now. But you know, back then we didn't use car seats or seat belts either, so. I mean, they were just an accessory. Um, but nevertheless, you let go of the, the steering wheel gradually, and what happens is the car will follow the topography of the road. So if you've got a road that is slanted, like sometimes they are, you can let that car go and you can gradually take your hands off of it. You can even hold it like this and just ready to grab it back. And you'll notice that your car will follow how that road goes. The lean of the road, the lean of the land. If there's a curve, it won't turn unless you turn it. It will travel wherever the road goes or wherever the land layout goes. But you as the driver, you know what the road signs say. Your car can't read the road signs, but you as a driver, you know what the road signs are. You know when it's the wrong way. You know when there's a signal light coming up, a bit, up ahead. You know when, when there's uh, traffic. You know when you need to stop. Now, we just went to Branson this last week. We rented a car, and there were some features on this car that we do not have on our car that's several years old. And uh, I had to get used to that. And I set my cruise on the turnpike. 75 is what, the, what, it, what it says. And I drive 75. I drive the speed limit. But everybody, that's the law. Anyway, I won't go there. Um, I set my I set it on seventy five, and then I look down, and I'm going sixty eight, sixty seven, 
66. But I look and it's still set on 75. And I'm thinking, why is it doing this? Well, it's because that car has a sensor on it. And it knows that the car up ahead of me is not going as fast as I'm going. And it automatically starts to slow down. Mm -hmm. As soon as I give my signal and I get over, boom, it kicks it in and starts going. And I thought, well, that's pretty slick. I got used to that. But the car knew. But it still required my intervention to do certain things. I mean, it wasn't like on autopilot. Our lives can't be on autopilot church. The car can't read what the road signs say. When you know the road, whether you know it or not, you know what the road signs say. You can follow those signs and you can get to your destination safely. The Bible is full of spiritual road signs that will guide us in our daily choices, our attitudes, and our conduct. And when we follow what it says, we will get safely to the spiritual destination that God has prepared for us. Anyone ever been on a trip and missed a road sign that you needed to see? Missing it caused delays or maybe even a mishap. Um, you ended up someplace where you never intended. I tell you, we took a shortcut one time when we were going to Branson. And uh, I'm here to tell you, you can get to Branson by going through Aurora. But you never want to do that. Trust me. Aurora seemed like a nice little sweet town. But it was a trip. And once you got on that road and you're committed to it, there's no turning back. Because you've gone so far and you're thinking, is this the right way? Of course, that was before GPS. Mm -hmm. So, but sometimes the GPS lady, she doesn't know what she's talking about either. Yeah. Yeah. We, we stopped at a quick trip. We saw a sign that said Quick Trip uh, right outside of Joplin. And we were going to stop there and get gas because we needed to. And in order to do that, we had to get on another highway. And we went down to, we went down, I think, two exits. And it was just right there. And you just turn and go back, not even a half mile, and you're, you're, loop to get back on the highway we were just on is right there so it wasn't bad well coming back we also need to guess and we said well we'll stop at that same quick trip but we're coming the other way and the uh lady in the box she gets us off at a different exit and takes us through some industrial area way out here and then we go a mile back this way, and sure enough, there it was. Same voice took us two different ways. Now, we weren't necessarily 
pleased with that and we'll know if we get that instruction. We just may not want to follow it the next time. But the instruction got us to where we needed to go. Sometimes people really don't like instruction. How many of you like instruction? <laughs> oh, what's that? Yeah, we stuck that in a drawer somewhere and then we proceeded to put it together <laughs> without them. Yeah. I've got instructions. Folks, I got a coffee pot that has a delay timer on it. And uh, I'm the only one in our house that drinks coffee. And whenever the power goes out like it did last week, of course I didn't do this this last week, but I've done this before. It resets the timer and you have to reset the timer and all that and the clock which is not hard to figure out. But I had this coffee pot set to where it wouldn't beep when it goes off. It's just silent. Because that's the way I prefer it, you know? Well, when the power goes out, the beep comes back. <laughs> I don't know how many years I've had this coffee pot but I couldn't remember how to make the beep not come on because you got to push this one and hold that one in a certain sequence and then you get into this menu and then it goes away and then it's like... So you need the instruction book to tell you how not to make it beep if you don't want to. And uh, I, I just let, let the beep go. I thought, well, it's not that loud. It's not like an alarm clock or a 10-piece orchestra or anything like that, so I'll just let it go. But without the instruction book, I'd have to rely on my memory. Now, if I did it often enough, yeah, I would know. Matter of fact, I couldn't figure something out and could not find it in the instruction book. I did find out my coffee pot has, and my intention was not to talk about coffee pots, but <laughs> here I am. Um, but my coffee pot has an automatic shutoff after two hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if I'm on a Saturday, sometimes I don't just swig down the coffee and I might not drink a whole pot of coffee in two hours. I'll, I'll get a cup here and I'll read my Bible or whatever and then I'll go back and get a cup. Well, that thing shuts off. Then your coffee's going to get cold. And so I called, I called, you know, and I, and I tried to, I thought, well, I'll just turn it back on. No. You turn it back on, the green light comes on for about 20 seconds and then it goes out. So I called them. And I said, how do I make the burner only stay on? Oh, it's not designed to do that. It's not designed to do that. It's a safety feature. So you either have to Brew a little more coffee in there, put a little more water in it to fool it into making another two hours or go the microwave route. <laughs> but I found that out just because I connected with somebody who knew. Now, am I frustrated by it? No, because I know that's how it works now. I'm okay with it. It's all right. That's just how it is. And I'm sure it's a great thing to have, especially because there's probably some, some people who may have not paid attention to their coffee pots before. And it could be a danger. Mm -hmm. um, 
But the instructions are important. Some of you know that I, I, I work a, a regular job. I've worked at my company for several years. And uh, there's a lot of technical aspects to my job. When I first started working for my company, I, uh, I, I talked to customers who are in Southern California who have some of the most, and, and what I do is I, I'm on the phone and we have manufacture and sell construction related equipment and, and products. California has some of the strictest building codes in the country, especially in the city of Los Angeles. And so there were certain things that they would buy in LA that they wouldn't buy nearly as much in the rest of the country, but because of the strict building codes, they would buy more of it in LA than any other parts of the country. I mean, you wanna put a picture on the wall? I mean, it's, it's almost like no, you don't get one of those little things, you, you know, make a big old bolt to put a picture on the wall. I mean, it's just, it just depends on what they're designing. And I can remember, we have this technical guy that gives you the step-by-step -step instructions on how to install this particular product. And, uh, and I would get the tech, tech manual and I would review with the customer, this is what you need to do to make sure that this is installed properly. And because I did that so much, I got to where I didn't have to look at the book anymore because I had it memorized. I knew exactly what it said because I was so familiar with it. How would it be if God's people were so familiar with the Word of God, Amen. so familiar with the instructions that are in this book, that they just, not to say they don't have to look at it anymore, but they know what it says. How many, how many remember a memory verse? I'm not talking about John 11:35. And if you don't know what it is, you can go read it when you get home. Uh, I'm talking about a memory verse. I can remember memory verses when I was a kid. We're never too old to commit Scripture to memory. Never too old. Remember what the Word of God said. When we follow what the Word of God said, it gets us safety to the spiritual destination that God has prepared for us. Sometimes... We can miss the mark, which is called falling short. How many know we've all fallen short of the glory of God? We can fall short. Sometimes we can even sin. What's the difference? Well, there's a difference in doing something we know is against the word of God and then we're falling short because we may not live up to the expectation that the Lord has for us in his word. Maybe we fall short in that way. You can fall short in your prayer life. You can fall short in your devotion to God. You can fall short in your church attendance. You can fall short in a lot of things. Maybe we fall short or we sin, which is not doing what the word of God instructs us to do. And then we realize it because the word is a part of our lives because we know what the word of God says. We can fall short of, 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 the, of what God wants us to do. And we may not be aware of it. But because the word is a part of our lives, the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. And because we are walking in that spirit of repentance, then we make things right with Jesus immediately. We don't wait. We walk in a spirit of repentance. I can remember hearing uh, um, my grandparents pray and I've heard others pray, Lord, if there's something that I have done 
that I should not have done. I want you to bring it to my attention because I don't want to be guilty of offending somebody. And I, I don't want to use the, the term offending the way our culture uses it today. But I'm talking about truly offending someone and it was against contrary to the scripture. The word of God is offensive to sin. It's offensive to our human ideology. But Lord, I don't want to represent. I don't want to misrepresent you. Maybe I said something in a moment of frustration and I, and I just didn't think about it anymore. But somebody else heard me and I'm thinking, what have I done? 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Repent and live. Live for and in Jesus. Here's what he said in John 15 verses 5 through 8. I'm going to close with this verse. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me. The King James says, abide, abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain or abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. I want to stop there for just a moment. Verse 6 says, If you do not remain or abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. You see, if we don't live in Christ, we will wither and we will die and we won't be connected to Him anymore. Verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I want to stop on this verse. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Some people forget about this verse. They go to the Lord in prayer asking Him to do all kinds of stuff. But if we're not truly living and honoring what Jesus said, following his words, his commandments. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, it's conditional. If you do this, then when you ask, you can ask what you wish and it will be done. Because if we're remaining in the Lord, if we're abiding in Jesus, we're living in Jesus, and the word of God is living in us, then we will ask Whatever we wish and whatever we wish is not going to be something that is just off the wall, humanistic and greedy and anything like that. It's going to be according to the will of God because we're living in Jesus, living in Christ. And then verse eight says this. This is my father's glory. This is my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples so we repent and we live why what's the purpose 
We know what the purpose is for salvation. But when we walk in repentance and we truly show that we live for Jesus Christ, we are a disciple of Christ. And this brings glory to the Heavenly Father, showing that we are His disciples, that we bear much fruit. What does it mean to bear much fruit? It means that other people will be able to see who we belong to. And when I was a kid, we used to have a miniature orchard. I call it that because we only had three quarter of an acre. But on that three quarter of an acre, we had apple trees, plum trees, a pear tree, a cherry tree. We had grapevines. We had blackberry bushes. And we would harvest that every year. And we would make jelly and jam and all kinds of stuff out of that and eat fresh fruit. We had pecans and we had walnuts. All of that on a three-quarter acre. And I could look out there and I could see the fruit on the tree. And if you are used to seeing a particular tree... You can look before the fruit appears and you can see the flower or you can see the leaves, the shape of the leaves. And you can say, that's a peach tree. And we had peach trees as well. That's a peach tree. That's a pear tree. That's a pecan tree. We can drive down uh, uh, 412. We've driven down 412 and there's some pecan groves in there. And you can look and I would grew up around pecan trees and I could look and say, that's a pecan tree right there. Doesn't matter what time of year it is, as long as it's got leaves on it, I can tell that's a pecan tree. Because it's important that our identity is in Jesus Christ. That we bear much fruit, a lot of fruit. How many wants to go out when it's time to, to pick and you're like, there's nothing hardly here. Now pecan trees, our pecan trees were finicky when I was a kid. One year they would produce, and the next year they might not. But when they would produce, you know, when they, when they didn't produce, you know, you might get just a little bit. But then when they did produce, it was like those limbs were almost weighted to the ground. And we would get 150 pounds of pecans off of four trees. And it was like, man... That was a lot of pecans. I mean, it may, may have been more than that. Maybe 150 in just one picking. I don't know. But it was a lot. We picked up for weeks because there was a lot there. And you could look at that tree and see that it was loaded down. It's like, man, look up there. Look how full it is. The purpose that this verse is telling us that you bear much fruit is to show that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We bring glory to our Heavenly Father by showing that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Living for Jesus is more important now than it's ever been. We must live for Jesus so that we can bear much fruit in letting Jesus show the world that we are his disciples or follower of, followers of Christ because the only thing that really matters when everything is said and done is what we have done for Jesus and what we have done with Jesus.
I, this is a different time. Sister Debbie, would you come? There's a, uh, there's a time that I would like for us to reflect. And I would like for us to pray those prayers of repentance and say, Lord, I don't want anything in my life to be a stumbling block to anyone else. I don't want anything that I've done or said to be held against me by anyone that is standing up for the truth. Lord, I want, I want other people to see your fruit because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you right now for your goodness and mercy. And I praise you. Lord, in this time, in this setting right now, God, I know many times I fall short. There may be times, God, I know that I, I do and say things that probably I shouldn't. Lord, I want to just draw close to you. I want to walk in that spirit of repentance. To humbly go into your presence and say, Lord, I want you to change anything in me that needs changed. Lord, I want to have a spirit of surrender. Just like whenever I surrendered my life and made you Lord and Savior of my life. I want to walk in that same spirit of surrender and meekness and humbleness. God, it's when we're at that low setting we must decrease so that you will increase. You do that. Lord, I want to be emptied of all of the, the stuff that doesn't need to be there. And I just pray that you will fill it with your spirit so that your grace, your glory will be the fruit that shows as a glory to our Heavenly Father as we live in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, it's in this spirit of emptying out of self that we can receive what you have for us right now. In the name of Jesus. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. 
change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Just Jesus. situations that you can't control. I talked about that earlier. Just give it to Jesus. Just give it to Him. And when your prayer is, God, make me like you. Mold me. Shape me. Make me to be more like you. And in that vein of praise and prayer, it's lifted up to the very throne room of heaven. It's a glorious thing. Hallelujah. He comes down and he infiltrates your world. You want see God move you want to see God move in your situation just praise him just touch him right where he is do what you can do which is praise and those things that you can't do just leave it to him oh hallelujah thank you Jesus burdens that will be lifted.
time, I believe, of emptying up before the Lord. And now I'm going to ask you just to reach up to Him right now and let Him fill you right now with His precious Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Father, right now, as we reach up toward heaven, I pray your Holy Spirit would just sweep through this house right now. In the name of Jesus, as Lord, we lift our hearts and our hands up to you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Receive it from him. He's here for you right now. Let him touch you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. I praise you, Jesus. show me something specifically with regard to you and with regard to journey that you're in a very pivotal place and that the Lord is going to use you to pour into her life and uh, he's anointed you to do so and I'm just going to believe right now that this is going to happen those of you who are watching, you may not know this is my family here. We're together all the time. But the anointing of the Lord is here. Father, I thank you for what you're doing through Annette. Lord, as she is the grandmother to this beautiful child, God, you have ordained, Lord, her and equipped and anointed her 
to be able to pour into this child's life. Lord, let her sense the presence of the Holy Spirit as she grows in spirit and in stature. God, all the days of her life, let the pouring of your holy presence flow and funnel, Lord, from Grammy to granddaughter. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you because you are good and you are holy. And I praise you for it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we've already dedicated journey to the Lord, so we know that she is going to be something special for you. And we just praise you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Journey has a doctor's appointment Friday, is that right? And the, and the doctor said that they may be concerned with some, something they saw in her eyes. We're just going to believe everything's going to be okay. Father, we thank you for touching Journey. We thank you, Lord, that these tests will come back in a good way. We thank you for just anointing her and just, uh, just making sure that everything is good and healthy in her life. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Cassie have some friends that were a friend that was involved in a car accident Dalton and Rodney they don't know the extent but we're gonna we're gonna touch them right now we're gonna agree father right now I thank you Lord for for Nick and Cassie standing in for uh, Lord these friends right now we ask that you will come down and touch them Lord let them come out of this healthy we thank you, Lord, that your hand will be seen for who you are. Let the glory of the Lord be around them as they are, Lord, in the place that they didn't ask for, didn't want to be. But, Lord, we believe for complete victory and healing of whatever may happen. We just thank you for your touch right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor Bill, God's in control. Pastor Bill goes for surgery. Is it next week? First of April, a little bit away. But we're just going to believe and trust God that everything's going to be okay. And everything and surrounding in every aspect. And just standing here talking with you right now, I, I picture a desert. And uh, maybe you feel like you've been in a desert for a long time with some circumstances, maybe physically and emotionally in all kinds of different ways, things that people may not even be aware of, but God knows. But in that desert, what I also pictured was the most beautiful oasis. We 
with springs of water and flowering plants and shade and a place of rest and comfort. So even in the midst of what seems like something that is just beyond control or beyond imagination, that is reality, our sovereign Lord deals in another dimension. And in the midst of what may be a physical reality, does not equate to the same in a spiritual sense. So I'm going to pray that God will allow you to sense the spiritual reality of His giving you rest, giving you comfort and peace and shade in a weary place. All the while that he's working in the physical realm, things that we may not even be aware of or see. Father, I thank you. Agree with me, church, right now that Pastor Bill, Sister Sandra, they're going through some difficult times right now. But I believe, God, that you are sustaining them just as in the middle of a drought you sustain the prophet by the brook Cherith. I believe, God, that you are allowing him a glimpse of your overflow of measure of rest and abundance of peace. And Lord, you're going to work out all the other details. We just lay them at your feet because we can't do anything about them. But what we can do is we can receive what you're giving right now. And I pray for an overwhelming flow of your presence, your peace, and your goodness and your mercy. Oh, because your word says that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're watching right now, or if you're, I know there are needs, then I know this. That the scripture tells us that if you're in trouble, you need to pray. And I want to invite you to pray. I want to share a little story for you before we conclude tonight. And we're going to have a final prayer. When I was 14 years old, I attended Woodlake Assembly for a short period of time. We lived over by 32nd and Sheridan, and uh, it was a short ride over to Woodlake Assembly. They were on 31st Street, just you know, half mile, maybe not, maybe a mile away. And um, on a Sunday night, Armin Newburn was the pastor. And on a Sunday night, Brother Newburn, he said, "If you have a need in your own life, I want you to come." 
and stand across the altar area. And I want you to ask God to meet your need that you have. And I'm 14 years old and I'm thinking, how many needs can I have at 14? <laughs> I know there's a lot, a lot of potential there. But the thing that came to mind was on my ring finger, I had this wart. Now I know that doesn't seem like a very big deal to you, but to a 14 year old, it was a big deal. The reason that it was a big deal is because I had been to the doctor twice. The doctor had burned it off and it came back. The doctor froze it off and it came back. I had picked at it and picked it off and it had still come back. And it was about the size of a half of the top, the top of a pencil eraser head. It was pretty good size right there in my, on my knuckle, on my hand there. And I went down, 14 years old, and I just said, Lord, I know you can take care of this. I really don't remember everything that I said, but I remember praying for that specifically. That was in 1980. And within a few months, it was gone. And it has never returned. Now, we moved away, and I never got the opportunity until we were youth pastors at Prattwood Assembly in uh, probably 2000, and I think it was probably 2003 or four when Brother Newburn came as a guest speaker at Prattwood for their uh, anniversary. We had a homecoming anniversary, and he was brought in as a speaker, and I can't remember how old the church was at the time, but anyway... Um, we had a big dinner that was fixed and I never got the opportunity to get close enough to him to tell him about that because when I became a credentialed minister was the first year that he had retired and so I didn't see him very much and I didn't know him. It was a large church that we went to and I went up to him at the dinner table and I said, Brother Newburn, I just want to share something with you and I shared that story from when I was a kid. And there's no reason why he would have known that because I hadn't shared it. But it was such a neat thing to know. There was confirmation of what God had done. And God is ready to do something that is so remarkable. And I'm still talking about this all these years later. And it was a big deal. It's still a big deal. If you don't think it's a big deal, you put one of those, those honking things on your finger right now. And how would you feel? Yep. Now, I apologize if somebody out there may have something like that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, we're just going to believe God. It's not comfortable. But whatever need it is that you have, we're going to take the opportunity right now. And I just want you to bombard heaven and you just say, God, I just need you to fix this and I need you to take care of it because I can't. Let's do that right now all across this building. Father, and, and, and online. Father, I just thank you right now because you're the healer, you're the deliverer, you're the soon coming king, and we bring our needs before you. Lord, we just call them out to you right now because we know that these things are too big for us, that we can't do anything about them, but we know that you're the healer, you're the deliverer, you're the soon coming king, and you're sovereign. And God, because I live for you, because I have made you Lord of 
my life and I choose to live for you. I trust you for the answer and I know that the answer will come. I place it at your feet. I'm not going to pick it back up again, but I'm going to place it at your feet with the expectation of hearing back the answer from you, Lord. I just praise you and I thank you because I know that I have my full hope and confidence and assurance in you. I thank you for it, God, because you are the way maker where there doesn't seem to be a way. You make a way and we praise you for it right now. We give you glory. We give you honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise the 